Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Hey everyone, it's James. Uh... I am just recording an introduction for today's episode, which we recorded on Sunday night. I'm recording this on Monday night, and you will hear this on Tuesday morning. That's Tuesday the 28th of November. I just wanted to include another Ask for Donations right up front here, because we are tired, broke, and and sad. Um, I spent last night sleeping out by the migrant camp in uh, in Hukumba, one of the camps, Um was extremely cold, like, and I had a good sleeping bag, right? It must have been much, much worse for people who have blankets. Uh, I uh, had had a young woman, like, completely breaking down and crying this morning, understandably, because it's terrible, and people have been there for five, six days now. We ran out of food at all our distribution sites today. We just desperately need more help, and we need a, a, a much larger-scale operation, but we can't fund that. Um, so if you're able to help, please, please do. I know it's a difficult time of year. I'm not asking you to give money that I wouldn't give. I'm thousand plus dollars deep in this. I'm not asking you to do things that I wouldn't do. I'm spending half my week out there. Like I, I'm, I'm not just preaching something that that I am not part of. Uh, this is something I'm very much part of. Something that's very important to me, and it would mean a lot to me if people could help however they can, either materially or with their time. Thank you very much, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Hi, hello, it's me, James, uh, the guy who does podcasts, who talks to you when you're driving to work. And today, uh, on this podcast, It Could Happen Here, which is about the world falling apart and people who are putting it back together, uh, I am joined by two friends of mine. We are in the desert in Hakumba. Uh, at the Kumba Hot Springs Hotel, which is open now, uh, thankfully. We've just spent most of today and the last two months uh, doing mutual aid project out here. So um, if you guys would like to introduce yourselves uh, in any way you think is relevant, that would be great to start off with, and then we can talk about what's been going on here. I am Haval. I use they, them pronouns. I live in San Diego, uh, but now currently living in Hakumba, helping out with the migrant crisis at the border. Hi, um, I'm Aloe, uh, like Aloe Vera. I use she, her pronouns, and I've been doing mutual aid for a couple years now um, and recently have come into the scene of helping with the refugee crisis at the border. Massive, thank you. Um, Okay, so I think to start off with, can one of you or both of you describe just what we've seen today um, I think like it's very hard for people to get a grasp of like how the scale of what's happening and how bad it is here. Yeah, so today we are at, in the wake of a holiday mm-hmm. um, where CBP takes off, well, most of them are taking off for the holiday and probably, uh, what is it, ISS Action as well, who picks up the migrants. So there's a huge backlog of people not getting picked up, stuck in these open-air detention sites. And this is some of the highest numbers that we've seen in a long time since, like, the beginning of this, what happened in September, right? Yeah. 
Um, and it's insane, like the amount of people that we were running out of food. Basically, we barely made it by on peanut butter and jelly sandwich. The world famous peanut butter and jelly yeah, sandwich. Yeah, that's why they're coming here yeah. because we feed them. They, they just want the sandwich. Um, um, and it was wild. It was. It's. It's. It, you like the desperation is getting worse because as it gets colder, you know, people are suffering more. They're you know, shivering more. So it's using more energy. They're more hungry when we show up, they're tailing our van as we pull up, which doesn't, didn't always happen. And yeah, the desperation is real. We saw what, like three sixty, I think at one camp willows. And then at another camp, it was 150, 180 at another camp totaling what? 700 math is hard yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it varies throughout the day right like um so perhaps we should explain uh maybe Allo can do this what what is an open air detention site right oads is the acronym we use what does that look like, like so an open air detention center from what i've seen is literally just people left out in the desert with nothing the shelter that they have has either been built themselves by the shrubs and, you know, the manzanita bushes that they find around there that they also burn, which creates awful smoke, um, as well as what we provide them in terms of tarps, blankets, tents. Uh, what I've seen in the open air detention centers uh, is essentially when Border Patrol has the start of a quarter, they have the money to really get people out of there. You have a lot of people just processed very quickly. Uh, it doesn't pile up. And then because of that, all the infrastructure that we put into these places and all of you know the infrastructure that these refugees build themselves, right? This is not provided by Border Patrol, gets basically ruined. And so you have soiled blankets that have become the tops of tents because that's their only use at this point. You have not enough shelters. So people are sleeping just among the rocks and trees because it's the best they can. Yeah. And um, I think one of the the most notable points of these open air detention centers is, legally speaking, um, Border Patrol gets around this by not really calling them detention centers, saying that they're not detained and that technically they're free. But the reality is there's nowhere for them to go without getting, you know, arrested or deported. And uh, but because of this loophole, Border Patrol has no obligation to feed them. And so when they do feed them at the start of the quarter, when they have the budget at which they blow, it's oranges, it's crackers. It's not enough to live off of when you're stuck there for five days. Um, I spoke to a, a Kurdish uh, migrant today who had been there for for five days. And, and you know, um, we've heard of people staying there for an entire week, just stuck in these camps as they overflow with people because they're not cleared due to whether it be a holiday season or uh, whatever it might be that puts us in this circumstance. Yeah. And obviously, most people won't have been here. You can look on a map or Google Maps if you want to. But all of this is happening like literally in the shadow of the border wall in some cases or right next to the border wall. Sometimes it's a little bit next, a little bit further away. And just to explain why there are these locations where they are, do you guys want to explain like how people are getting to the... Because Hukumba, if, if you've got Google Maps, if you're not driving, like you can put it up and you can look, right? We're like an hour and a bit east of San Diego, about 70 miles east of San Diego, um, closer to El Centro than San Diego. So can you explain how people are ending up here by the hundreds or thousands? Yeah, so um talk to many migrants and they stay in a hotel in TJ. I have no idea which one um, and wouldn't give that information if I did. <laughs> but uh, they, yeah, they stay in a hotel in TJ and they get separated by nationality. So the coyotes take their passports from them and mm-hmm. put them in stacks and separate them by their nationality. So you'll get, you know, Chinese nationalists together. You'll get people that are from Turkey together, mostly Kurdish, and then mm. you'll get whatever their nationality is. And I'm sure the outliers get just lumped into whatever is the most, you know, yeah, like language group. Yeah, or... language group, exactly. And then they get in the morning, I guess, at like 5 or 6 a.m., they drive all the way out from TJ to Hakumba and get dropped off at there's three points where there's breaks in the walls. And these walls, obviously, um, they don't go over the mountains because Trump was trying to build distance rather than actual stopping people. And so these breaks in the walls are very easy to cross. It's literally just walking over. There was some remnants of concertina wire or bob wire like in the area, but it's all ripped and super easy to cross. And 
Um, so the coyotes will drop them off near um, or bits away from that point and have them walk in. And that's where Border Patrol, after they cross, Border Patrol will intercept them, give them wristbands for the day they arrived. We actually just saw this last week. They must have ran out of wristbands because they were giving, like, Sunday wristbands when it was, like, a Wednesday. Yeah, like, I remember what seeing the that. Fuck? Like, <laughs> the, and that makes our job more complicated, too. Not only their job, I'm sure, because they're trying to process them in order, but our job because we're trying to record how long have people been here. I remember I was talking to a Chinese nationalist and had to call a translator just to see, like, because they had a Sunday wristband, and I think it was Tuesday or something already. And yeah. I was like, wait, you got, you've been here for two days. And they were like, like trying to explain what the language barrier and what's the translator. Like, no, we got here three hours ago. We kept thinking they got here three days ago. They kept showing the number three on their hands. And so, yeah, they give them these wristbands and then tell them to wait in these areas that are very close to where they are intercepted. And uh, Border Patrol will tell them there's cameras all over the desert. We're watching you. So don't leave. And if you leave, it'll mess up your migrant process or your asylum process. And so they, most of them stay. We've actually have seen a lot of people walking on the 80 here yeah. <laughs> trying to get to town because they're desperate, they're cold, they're hungry, and they're probably just like, fuck this, you know? Yeah. Um, but it's interesting, too, how, like, Border Patrol in all media aspects denies the existence of these camps. Yet. Yeah, they'll deny explicitly to me, right? Like, that they don't exist or they don't detain people, people that— they what they'll say is that people aren't detained here; that they're free to go, which technically they are, and yeah. they can walk. But um, I had a <laughs> Kurdish friend that I met at one of the camps that we call Moon Camp, and twenty year old from Turkey, um, and he said that him and a bunch of friends that he was traveling with just walked to the subway up the street, <laughs> got a subway sandwich, and then Border Patrol showed up after they had ordered their food, yeah. and said, "You have to go back with us," but. Finish your food here, because imagine them walking in with yeah, being Subway. taken back with Subway sandwiches. Everyone be like, "Oh, we can just leave and get out of here." Like, <laughs> so they finished their sandwiches, and then he, he took them straight back. So that is detention. If you can't leave, then you're yeah. in detention. That's the de by definition. I feel like. Yeah, and I, I don't think people think they are free to leave, and I, I don't think people certainly they're not told what what situation they're in. Right? I think that maybe they would assume that, but there's also not very many places for them to go. We are in the middle of nowhere. So from what I've talked to different people, um, you know, on top of just like crossing the border, there's also an entire period where these people are traveling um, and all of them travel in different ways. And um, some of them are traveling all the way from South America through Panama, through the jungle. And, you know, people are dying on the route over here. Um, and some of them are lucky enough to just fly in and, and you know, okay. Right. Yeah, they'll have to fly to Cancun. Fly into Cancun and then um, make their way over to TJ and make it through the border. And I have seen, like, for myself with my own eyes, you know, burns from motorcycle exhaust, from, you know, the different methods that they've used to get here. Um, and I've seen spider bites. I've seen, you know, um, injuries that are infected that have been infected for a long time because mm -hmm. they've been that way since... They were in the jungle and it's inadequate. I, I had a woman um, that I was uh, helping uh, give medical care to whose ankles were swollen from a steroid that she was given that she should not have been given and that she had a, a bad reaction to. And uh, yeah, that's that's just been their reality uh, traveling here and trying to get here. Um, on top of that, I think that speaking of medical issues and speaking on what you were saying earlier about the threats of becoming undocumented, the threats of, you know, being forced to stay in these camps, there's even fear of having a medical emergency. So, like, when EMS comes out, when we call 911 or Border Patrol calls 911, right, they're not, like, working in connection with Border Patrol. They're just going to a hospital as if it was, you know, someone housed person on the street mm -hmm. going to the hospital um, and so they end up there and if they're not given the proper information to, uh, get a court date to, to finish their asylum process and to really like be submitted properly into the country, they are at risk of becoming undocumented. And I think that fear has spread among people. And I've definitely noticed personally that there is fear to have 911 call to, to be taken away in an ambulance because they fear, you know, becoming undocumented or being at risk. 
or yeah, separated. Separated. separated has been a big thing because if they end up having their process either take longer or just be stuck in the hospital or whatever it may be, they're away from their family. They have to go through a different process. They're not processed at, at, at the detention centers the same way or at the same time. Um, so it's just, it's a, it's a, there's a lot of fear mm -hmm. and, um, I think that's led to a lot of unnecessary harm and we do our best in terms of medical care, but there's, you know, we're limited. We, you know, it's over the counter. It's, you know, it's, we can't do much. Yeah. 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 And, uh, basically street medicine really. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Like, and we have some doctors and nurses and other qualified medical people who come and help, but they don't have the diagnostic tools that they need, right? Like today we had somebody who had clearly some heart issues and like the best we can do is say this person needs to go to hospital. But then in this case, they were able to take the person's partner. Sometimes they won't take the person's partner. Sometimes the person could be separated from their children. And so they're obviously very afraid of that. And, and to compound that, I think like the release, that they're not released uh, in the way they had previously been released, that they're, they're just dumped onto the street at certain transit centers, right? And then again, it falls on to volunteers or nonprofits to help them get to where they're gonna go. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. The scale of the mutual aid operation is really impressive. And it's something that I don't think is, is like we don't talk about it enough or like people don't really understand it. So could, maybe we just start like literally what we do every day in a day. Again, Havala's here every day. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. One thing I forgot to mention <clears throat> is I am here every single day now, full time, uh, 10 plus hours a day. It's eight days a week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and so, yeah, every day we wake up, I wake up around like 6 a.m. and we try to get to the first camp, which is down the street from where I'm staying um, around 7.30 or 8 o'clock in the morning and the previous night we have loaded the van up with peanut butter and jelly sandwiches because they have a good hold. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't need to keep them really refrigerated much or, you know, that yada, yada. Mm -hmm. And so it's just PB and J's water and fruit. And we give them each one at least um, yeah. sometimes more if we have the capability. And then we, another person who is also here full time will hit another camp on their way because it's on their way to meet up at a central location we call the U center or the YC yeah. um, where all of our donations end up, whether it's clothes, blankets, um, food items, non-perishables, perishables, we have a fridge. And in that place, once we get there, we'll assess what we need to do is do we need to make more food do we have enough to go feed the third camp which we call 177 which is all the way in boulevard a little outside of hakumba <laughs> and if we have enough we'll just hit we'll leave and hit that spot and then come back and start dinner um and me in the meanwhile we have a lot of volunteers that will show up and make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches because that is our easy go-to staple it's <laughs> quick to give out it's you know not a whole lot of prep time to make you know 
500 sandwiches, um, which seems like a lot, but we've gone through probably tens of thousands of sandwiches yeah. by this point. So I mean, we probably gave out a thousand PB and J's today. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, we ran out. Like today, I gave out everything, and there was even people where, like, the two we got everybody in the line, which was I think, I think that was around three sixty. No, no, it was three sixty when we, we did a count, and so in the morning, yeah, and we ran out, and we but we had two. So like a lot of the times, um, especially the migrants that have been there multiple days, they'll jump in. There's like always two people or three people that are like, "I'm here to help." Kurdish people are amazing yeah. help, <laughs> um, and are always willing to step up. But yeah, this morning at Willow, one of the camps, we had two guys that were kind of controlling the line and helping keep them back, and one on like send them to us one at a time. And at the very end of it, I had nothing for them. And I was like going to hook them up with a couple of yeah. sandwiches and a little, anybody who helps, I'll hook them up with a couple of extra sandwiches or food items or water or cigarettes even. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I had nothing for them except for kids sandwiches or kid sandwiches, kid packs. So we make these little sandwich bags full of like different candies and, you know, granola bars and things that kids would like to eat and give them a lot of nutrition and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I just gave them extra that. And once, other migrants saw me giving those things out that I had been holding and telling other people no these are for kids then everybody swarmed and oh, it was just no. like okay well I'm giving all the kids whoever is <laughs> there whoever's arm is there they're getting you know a kids pack and uh, got rid of literally all of our food and I think we put in like 12 plus cases of water 40 packs and they were all gone except for maybe like 10 or 15 waters it was one of the more uh dire mornings that we've had especially yeah at, at these camps i know that 360 was the the number that, that you guys got in the morning but i believe that by the time that we were working in the evening at least when i was doing medical check the number that i was getting told either around the camp or from border patrol was 500 at willows so and this is you know these are numbers that even border patrol is like freaking out over they are you know worried because they can't deal with this quantity of people and keep them processing while there's still a consistent flow. And that's, you know, it, it, it puts a lot of strain on us because like you were saying, we're running out of food. We don't have enough to feed 500 people, you know, every day, even though we're, we're just doing, you know, two meals, a, a breakfast and as best we can a dinner and trying to make sure that that dinner is a hot meal because it is frigid out here. I slept in my van and I kept having to wake up to try and warm up and um, do something to to keep myself from freezing. And I, I, you know, I can only imagine what it's like for them um, with what minimal equipment they have. Some of them don't even have tents. So um, it, it has been a lot. Um, I know that today uh, running medical, I've seen a lot of people with colds. And I am suspicious that that perhaps there is COVID running around, that perhaps there is, you know, something, there's definitely something, some kind of very severe illness going through the camps and being in this freezing cold is not helping anyone's immune system. And on top of that, I've seen broken fingers and some other stuff. And that's, that's been my today yeah. has been treating that and then helping out with dinner, which... I will say I tried a little bit of the lentils and rice and I can say we are feeding them well. It is delicious, <laughs> delicious food. Um, Sam Schultz. Thank, Sam Schultz for that one. thank yeah. you, Sam Schultz, an amazing cook um, and an amazing helper for us, uh, making sure that we, you know, are able to do this for like you were saying for a long time. You know, this was put on, a, you know, one family of locals to really. Yeah. yeah. One family of Quakers to really take care of these people day in and day out. And uh, it wasn't until you came here and were able to actually like be here full time that there was even just an extra hand around. And, you know, volunteers. right. Vol volunteers are here during the week. But the, the reality is, is we are all still stuck at work. We all still live in this hellscape. We're all still stuck grinding those gears and um, making ends meet. And so coming out here for a lot of us is, you know, like for me is, is a weekend task. It's, you know, it's what we can do. It's what we have the ability and the time and the gas money for. Um, and on top of that, a lot of us spend a lot of our own money. I, I know that I've spent like at least a grand and a half on just like supplies for these runs on supplies for whatever I can. Um, and 
you know, some sometimes we get we're able to get reimbursed by our mutual aids and um, sometimes the money runs dry and we just, you know, we need a lot of support out here that we don't have, that we don't get. And I feel like we really felt that today running out of food. Yeah, it was bleak today. And like, of course, the thing is, like, we can feed 500 people and do this gargantuan effort and then we have to feed the same number tomorrow. And like, if yeah. we clear out us, we, on top of like, those of us who are able to go out to do medicals, to do feeds. Uh, sometimes some of us go out and construct shelters or to check that there aren't people who are sick in the shelters who aren't getting care that they need, et cetera, et cetera. Like you said, people have to cook, right? People have to make PBJs. Um, people have to resupply our stuff and drive it up from San Diego, which is an hour and 15 minutes away. It's, like, it's a gargantuan effort that it's exclusively taken on by volunteers and like a relatively small group volunteers considering the scale of the task at hand i wonder like if you would like talk about your volunteering experience a little bit because i think it's been great like it's a very diverse group of people we've had so many we have the schultz family who are quakers who are amazing who have been like spearheading this since the start we have like obviously a lot of anarchist people and a lot of people from various migrant advocacy and aid groups this uh, what we had the Black Panthers the other day. That's mm-hmm. um, probably a ton of people I'm missing, but yeah, uh, in church groups, church groups. Yeah, uh, yeah, church groups. I mean, the whole the YC was kind of given to us, and I think now we're renting it, to my knowledge. Um, but that was given to us by the uh, what's the church of, Methodist, the church. Methodist Church yeah. here in Hakumba, and then there's a group of Mormons, and they're just I'm kind of unaffiliated from their church in a way, like they're not. They were just a family that saw the need and. Um, some of the elders nice. were helping load up this, the beans that they made the other day, you know, um, from the house that the lady that makes it. Um, and then another lady, a Mormon lady makes us these rolls and will just like give us like hundreds and hundreds of bread rolls, which everybody loves. Even the volunteers yeah, love to yeah, eat I've been eating the bread rolls. The homemade rolls. Yeah, yeah. Super good. So that, yeah, like you said, mutual aid groups, anarchists, um, just individuals, random people will show up. They heard it. We had a couple of people show up that heard it on uh, national NPR, or KPBS, and, um, you know, then the orgs, Border Kindness, Alocholado, um, will come out here and send volunteers and whatnot. But it's hard to really rely on volunteers. Like, we have a sign-up sheet and everything, so we can kind of gauge what the day is going to be like, but sometimes people don't show up. And, yeah. uh, and sometimes, especially around the holiday times, it gets really thin because everybody's got their own lives and things to do. And, um, but yeah, I, I mean, I started volunteering just on my weekends when I was working full time at my dead end job, <laughs> uh, back at home in San Diego. And I would, you know, saw the need. I was down at whiskey eight in San Ysidro, um, pretty much every day after work and on the weekends. And then when they started doing street releases at Iris station in San Diego, I would just be there full time. And on my weekends, just be there until MDEF and Haitian bridge started showing up and kind of took in detention resistance. And they kind of took over that scene. Yeah. And so I, the need was like, oh, Hakumba needs help. So I yeah. just would come after that. I just started coming out here every weekend from, I would get off on a Thursday at like 2 PM, take care of my cats at home for a sec and then drive out, um, help out whatever I could by the time I got here, spend the night somehow either I never had to sleep in my car, but I would be ready to. And then yeah. I have some friends here, um, that would put me up for the night and, um, stay Thursday night to Friday, work all day Friday and all day Saturday until I had to go home because I worked at 5 a.m. on Sunday. And then all that week, I would just be at W8 uh, going down after work. And so I haven't had a day off since this really started. I mean, I think I got the flu for a week, five days, right? A temp- yeah, I had a fever four or five fucking days in a yeah. row, which is horrible. But um, so not really a day off technically. Yeah. But yeah, and then um, I, since I had been coming out here every weekend and dedicating my time to Hakumba and had so many ties with like the locals and I know the people who own the hotel out here that we are currently at and just, you know, showed face and showed a strong worth, work ethic, I guess, to help feed these people and the passion of, you know, and the, the amount of care that I gave and attention to these people and listening to them and uh, the Schultz family who are like the main on the ground people since day one were like, yeah, this 
this person needs to be out here. We want <laughs> Haval out here full time. And Alocholado um, got a grant to uh, to basically fund that. And so once that money came through, I just took a sabbatical from my <laughs> nine to five and was like, peace. I got more important things to do <laughs> yeah, than give Jeff Bezos more money, you know? <laughs> so uh, he, he needs more yachts, clearly. Yeah, clearly, yeah. <laughs> and more space trips, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, plastic surgery. So, yeah, so ever since then, I've just, you know, I'm lucky enough to have that and, you know, showed that, you know, dedication to where I can be out here. And honestly, like, some people may think like, oh, because I'm getting paid, I'm a boss or I'm a lead. And like, it, to me, it's like, no, we're all leading and I'm still just doing the same work. I'm just now able to be here, uh, well, on payroll 48 hours a week. But in reality, it's 10 hour days, eight days a week. Yeah, so. yeah, it's all the time. And like, yeah, I think it's really important that people know actually that like we have a very, very diverse group. It's not like everybody is necessarily like committed to horizontal organizing as the be all and end all but that's how we operate and it works really well i think yeah especially sam and the quakers they, they're yeah. very good at listening to everything that's the american mm. friend society right uh yeah they just it works so well like when i was just thinking the other day i was out here um and it was the day before the holiday and uh first of all we had this moment where this lady pulled up and she was like hey who's in charge we were all like everyone's in charge <laughs> and the lady was like what how does that, how did you, and then, but then like another time we had a bit of a crisis, we ran out of bowls when we were trying to feed people and like one of us came Putting up with the, the beans in the bag. Yeah. In a Ziploc bag. <laughs> yeah. We made, we, so we were like, we didn't have bowls. We had sandwiches. So we gave them a sandwich and then took the Ziploc bag back and filled it with beans. And like, it, you know, it wasn't the person who'd been here for the longest or done the most se sessions, but it was a great idea and it got us out of a, a difficult situation. And like, I think because we organize with respect for each other, we, we can listen to each other and, and incorporate those ideas. I know you had something to say. Oh, uh, yeah. I just, I want to highlight the community that, that I've seen built here. Um, I know that in terms of non-hierarchical organizing, I, I personally have seen, you know, everyone step up and lead, even people who are there their first day, right? Mm -hmm. If there is a task to be done and they say they know how to do it and they have a good idea, they're leading it, they're spearheading it. There is, you know, there's no second guessing or egos um, that I've seen, uh, at least not to such a degree that it's been harmful. And I think that that has given us a lot of power um, and has allowed sort of our creativity to, to get us through this. Um, I think it's a testament to what non-hierarchical organizing means and how, you know, lack of hierarchy um, and lack of a dedicated leader doesn't mean a lack of leadership. I think it's it falls on all of us to lead. It falls on all of us to um, bring what we know to the table, whether that be from the experience that we've had coming here uh, and working here and knowing the details and the minutiae of what's going on specifically here in Hakumba with this project or what we bring to the table from our past experiences. Um, and I think that that has really beautifully coalesced into a really efficient system as, as best as we can do, as, as best as we can manage. You know, we've really made do and kept people alive in a, in a huge way. Yeah. And like, I think kept people alive is right. Like if, if, I don't know how this would have gone down if we weren't here because I don't know if they would have kept doing it, but certainly more people would have been very unwell or passed away. Like, I think we can all think of a different medical emergency where we've had to intervene to stop it getting much worse. Yeah, like just last week, I think, did you come out the day after or something where it rained on yes. all of us and there was like a heavy downpour. We weren't even ready. We thought it was, oh, it might be like a little drizzle or it might yeah. be light rain here and there scattered. But then <laughs> we set up and we're cooking, getting ready for to do lunch or after breakfast and getting ready to do our dinner and stuff. And it just started downpouring yeah. on us. I remember and, I was driving and I called you. To oh yeah, that, you showed up that day yeah. and literally like we, inter as we got to, we were like, oh, fuck, we got to like move now. So yeah. we just got all the ponchos that we had a bunch of ponchos, got them all in the car, drove to the first camp that we had fed that morning and we just started handing out ponchos 
as the rain's coming down, they're walking in as you know the coyotes drop them off, and they, that's a long hike. Had the moon camp from where yes, they end yeah, up yeah. to where the break in the wall Maybe is. A that's mile, like a probably. what thirty minute walk, yeah. so or so. And so they are arriving in the pouring rain. Their socks are getting wet. Um, it is super cold, especially at moon because of the location. It's just ridiculously cold, and that's like case for hypothermia. And we're there to, you know. <clears throat> to stop them from getting so wet. We're giving them trash bags for their bags, ponchos for their being their persons. We, I remember seeing this little t girl, she must've been like five or six. And then we had cardboard and our, because we didn't think it was going to be so pouring before we, when we loaded up the van and we had cardboard to keep, you know, the ground dry for them to like lay on in their tents or whatever. And we, people took the cardboard out of the van and we're like blocking the rain and shielding this little child from getting wet, you know, and it's super windy at moon too of that camp it's the location yeah. it gets a lot of the the wind from uh whatever that passes that yeah comes it comes up, up yeah. from Anza Borrego yeah yeah Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com, that's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. I think the other thing you said, which we should probably touch on, is like perhaps it's because of the way we organize, because we don't have like strict roles or jobs or low leadership things. But like, and you'd mentioned it before, but like nine times out of 10, we end up doing things with people, not for people. Right? Like the other day, I know uh, like a Kurdish guy and I set up a ton of tents, so Colombian dude, and I built this amazing shelter. And then it wasn't for him and his family, it, it was for anyone who needed it. I definitely have seen uh, that sort of collaboration with the migrants and I feel like it it doesn't feel like charity. It feels like mutual aid. And on top of mm -hmm. that, when I'm hearing from them, you know, they, you know, they're helping us out. But then on top of that, they're saying, I'm going to get processed and I'm coming back. I'm helping. And I'm, I, have you been in touch with anyone who is, who has come back yet? Well, yeah, actually, like early on in Iris, when I was doing Iris, there was like a few people that were staying a few days before they traveled onward and they just wanted to be around and help. There was also a dude, we we just called him Columbia because he was from Columbia. <laughs> just kind of that nickname stuck and he stuck around. I mean, he got sponsored by or pretty much loosely sponsored by one of the organizers. Um that was helping out at WA and he stuck around. He came out to Ocumbo a bunch of times. He killed it on everything he did, cooking, dishes, whatever, you know, cleaning up, yeah. whatever. He just, he just saw that need. And yeah, I mean, I've, I've been in contact with a couple of people that <clears throat> said they would come out and, you know, I don't pressure them. I don't, and, and a, a, I wouldn't pressure them to come out because they came here for, you know, a better life and all that. Yeah. But at the same time, it's just hard to get back to some people because I've given my number out to way too many Kurdish people <laughs> to get back to everyone on WhatsApp. And that's, you know, I got signal, I got regular texts and then WhatsApp and that kind of gets buried. So yeah, there uh, was some Afghan folks out here in September few Afghan folks who had come out. I think they had arrived either in May or, or perhaps earlier, but there were some Afghan folks who came out and were able to help us. Of course, like it's great because we don't all have all the languages we need and we don't have all the skills we need. And so the more people we can incorporate, even if temporarily while they're here, 
then like the better we can help people right right yeah exactly yeah. um yeah i mean but they, they, i think definitely the 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 vibe is there that they want to come help and yeah like the other day i was feeding uh we we're doing a hot dinner and we set up and everything and then all these kurdish people because i've you know will wear this uh Gaffee, like a yeah. yeah like a scarf yeah uh <laughs> with uh the scarf that you, that you gave me, yeah, <laughs> uh, all from, the way from Kurdistan, all the way from Kamishlo, um, and so they recognize it. And then I know the sayings, "Biji Kurdistan," when you know, "Oh, you Kurd, you're from Turkey." Oh, you Kurdish, because most of the people from Turkey are Kurdish. Yeah, uh, not all, but most. Um, and so you know, we'll start talking, and then you know, they get all excited, and, they, and then they just want to help. You know, and I, I think even regardless of if I said that or not, or had the scarf on, they would still just want to help. Yeah. And I remember one time I was surrounded it was just me serving one of the things because we'll serve multiple things water uh, uh, like a soup and then a rice or a bread or whatever and then maybe some hand wipes or something and so we just had a it was just me in the middle surrounded by Kurdish people and I remember <laughs> the dude next to me was just like someone videotape yeah we, uh, we Kurdish people help really well <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> tell the world you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then like even yeah when when we're not doing food service like guys will often come up to me and be like hey do you have uh bin bags we'd like to clean up we'd like it's a mess here and yeah. we'd like to clean up blink yeah or unloading every time i'm loading like that's a cell phone charging station everyone like mm -hmm. doesn't matter you know what nationality someone is there to help they're like oh can i grab the table can i do this how can i plug this in a lot of times with the plugging in i'm like no i got this like, there's <laughs> yeah, a certain yeah, way yeah. Where i like to plug this all in that makes sense yeah. and I'll relatively high risk activity yeah. well. <laughs> don't want any electrocution or yeah. any of that oh like the other day I was chopping some stuff with an axe and a guy wanted to help and I was like look if I hurt myself then I can go to hospital if you hurt yourself it's going to be a rough I night. mean that could have been his ticket out yeah he might purposely hurt himself yeah. at that point he had his whole family yeah uh, but yeah we, we build shelters and like some people are, are really good at that and they're good at tying knots and they're good at seeing things in 3D and some people are not so like often just get a team of people who can help and then you'll get a team of people who need shelter so we'll just cruise around building shelters for people and it's fun like it, it can't i'm sure it's not a very stimulating environment out there you know so being engaged in a task completing stuff and helping people i'm sure is rewarding or like yeah even tonight we had a dude from turkey who just like was holding his head um tia one of our uh local residents she yeah. lives around here medical she's uh doesn't have a whole lot of medical experience other than being a mother or a grandmother <laughs> and working in as a pharmacy tech and knowing a little bit about it and learning and being super badass. Um, <laughs> she uh, came to me and she's like, look, this guy has a headache. He has a migraine and he has medication from TJ. So this is obviously like an ongoing situation. <laughs> and uh, my eyes were hurting just from all the smoke, smoke from yeah, all the fires yeah. that they were starting in the area. And he's just sitting there holding his head, clearly just absolutely miserable. So she took him in uh, her car just to like give some heater and to warm him up and to try to make him feel better get him away from the smoke and she's like yo we gotta get this guy he's here traveling alone from Turkey he doesn't have anybody so we went and found some more I think he was Kurdish as well we went and found another Turkish person or Kurdish person from Turkey um, and I grabbed this this person and I was like hey I have somebody here who has a gnarly migraine and they just they need they're here alone they don't have shelter they need and so this guy came over and talked to him and was like look I got we got a tent over here come camp with us like that's the kind of shit that we have to deal with you know what I mean just yeah. like the migrants will like getting a migrant to help another migrant you know it's just like it's yeah. community that's what like mutual aid is about I think that, um, and that, that specific situation, um, I had been talking to the, the, the group that took him in, I had been talking with them and chatting with them and I sat by the fire with them just talking about, you know, what was your experience like and trying to get warm because God, it's cold out there even for us volunteers and, you know, we're far away from the fires and it, it's really hard because, you know, this road is cleared um, and so there's, you know, there's no warmth out there yeah. by where they have to stand to, to get food, but um what I, what I wanted to highlight was that because we are interacting with these people as equals, because we are coming here and seeing them as people and we spend the time to talk with them and to build community with them, we can build those connections, which allow people like the, the gentleman with a migraine to, you know, be taken in and to have, you know, basically a, a temporary family while he's there and make sure that he's taken care of. And that's, I think something that really highlights the strength 
of this type of organization and this type of work and this type of, you know, the the way that our politics, the way that our ideals um, really shine in this kind of setting. Yeah, I think that's right. Like I've been around a lot of humanitarian crises and, and you know, refugee situations. And I think we're doing a really excellent job, especially given the minimal funding and, and sort of scale of access to resources that we have. We could do a lot more if we had a lot more money, but we don't. Um, so yeah, we, we're we're cooking on like a fucking burner hooked yeah, up to a propane. It's probably older than us. <laughs> yeah, but it was hooked up to a propane tank that's made out of an old keg. That's just like if you turn it on wrong and and let the gas bleed, you will blow yourself up. So yeah, it's just yeah. like like Sam is you know responsible for everybody at the youth center where we do stuff. So he doesn't really like other people cooking. Doesn't I mean yeah. even though I know how to do it, he like doesn't even like me doing it because he's responsible for me if anything were to happen. So it's like our capacity is super limited. We don't have enough burners. We don't have enough containers. So we have a couple one really nice like locking containers that hold hot food and keep the food hot but not enough to yeah. serve upwards of 600 people at all three camps and not enough vans like it would be ideal like in my situation to send a van that has charging capabilities to charge everybody's cell phone to feed everybody to and give them water and all their needs blankets medical to each camp all at once instead of yeah. us driving cooking a mass amount of food at the youth center and hoping we have enough to hit all three camps because the numbers we can try to call border patrol offices and get numbers but the numbers are always a little skewed or just off you know yeah. or sometimes it lately they have just been straight up not giving us the fucking numbers like being dicks especially uh campo uh border patrol office which because we deal with two different campo takes care of the boulevard open air detention site yeah. and then the boulevard border patrol takes care of the willows in in the moon camp in Acumba and straight up the the boulevard border patrol called campo nazis like they treat their employees <laughs> like Nazis. they're just nazis and i've seen it in fact yeah but yeah like we have to interact with border patrol a lot to get people the help that they need right but like yeah there are definitely some cases where like there have been certain people who are much like very very the agent i spoke to today for a border patrol agent he was very accommodating he took the person who was in medical distress and their partner he drove them himself to where they could meet ems and ensured that presumably they go to hospital. Like I, I don't have a whole lot of knowledge of what happened afterwards. Like we don't have, we're not entitled to their private medical information. Um, and nor should we be, but like other times it could be much harder. So right. it's just luck of the draw, right? Like we, there's so much we don't control, I guess. Yeah. And like, we don't know exactly. Like, like we can't control who goes when, who has the highest level of need, you know, like constantly people will be coming up to me and being like, Hey, like today, I was warming up milk for babies in my, in my camping stove, right? And there were three or four babies. And they were like, do you think they'll take us first? We have babies. And like, I think most of the people there would rather give up their space and let that baby go out because no one wants to see a fucking baby right. shivering out there. Like, it's, it's fucked. Uh, it's terrible. Uh, but we don't know. And we can't tell you and we can't help you. Um, and so like, a lot of that stuff's outside of our control, but the stuff that's within our control, I think we've done a really good job of. I wonder, like... If people are listening, I think I just want to convey that we're all just weird, like a group of, of, of like, we're not like... Ragtag crew. Yeah, <laughs> we're extremely like Motley crew. Um, and But we, we're really doing excellent work, I think, um, if I may blow our trumpet. But like, if people want to come and help, uh, I, first of all, I would like, you probably can. Like pe people think that they can't, they don't have anything useful. Like I, I promise you, you do. Like if you can, uh, if you can like lift a ladle, or like a pallet of water bottles or drive a vehicle or, or make talk a sandwich. Multi multiple languages. Mm -hmm. Speak and multiple like, sometimes it's like... Yeah, or you even know, just we, one. And just, or even just... Right, or even just one yeah. language uh, other than English. Because, I mean, even some people yeah. speak perfectly, perfect yeah. English out there. And so just going out there and paying attention to them, even if you mm -hmm. don't have the capacity to cook food or to serve food or whatever, if you can go talk to people and you're sociable and mm -hmm. you can make connections and listen to their needs. And, you know, there's Google Translate. There's We have a list of translators is like a form with numbers so if you have a language barrier you can just call start calling down the line of numbers of mandarin or this language or that language and you can get a, i got a hold of somebody one time for mandarin to figure yeah. out how many days they had been there and it was like called a couple people first no answer and then finally someone picked up and so it's yeah you know anybody you there's always 
you could always find something. Honestly, uh, one thing that I miss doing, which when I first started coming out here, we had a little bit more volunteers, especially I was coming out on the weekends. Uh, mm -hmm. When the weekends, typically we have more volunteers because people have jobs on the weekdays and weekdays we have less. But uh, I, I was, when I first started coming out to Hukumba on the weekends, I started bringing my guitar and my bongos and my, you know, different instruments, uh, uh, tambourines and I remember we gave out all the instruments to the migrants at, at night while we were giving them dinner to they're around a campfire and so that they can play and enjoy themselves and lift their spirits and so like that would be rad to have somebody on spot all the time with a guitar and like jamming with the migrants and lifting their yeah. spirits because it's they're miserable and one dude from Uzbekistan once told me uh, spoke really good English and in fact, he told me about those like commercials and so he worked at like a center where they send people oh. over here. Oh wow! Yeah, like yeah. he was on the call center or whatever for yeah. it or something like that. But well, I was like, well, like how was it like? I he was like, honestly, we're just bored. Yeah, like they're just waiting. And at that time, like the waits were like four or five days. You know, um, it, it changes. It varies. It goes from two to three to four or five in in the detention sites. And sometimes they get out the same day if they're lucky. But um yeah it was it just we're bored and we're just waiting and they're anxious and which also just tears at their spirit while they're you know their first day in america you know yeah exactly yeah like welcome to america sleep in this desert it's like just above freezing <laughs> yeah. yeah and here's no blankets no structures yeah. no anything no food no water if you're lucky border patrol will bring crackers and water for not enough people yeah and then yeah a bunch of us weirdos turn up with blankets and that's it yeah, um, and I know that that even if it's you know I I try and include other people, but but even just like I go out there with my guitar sometimes, and there's a lull, and or we're waiting to pack up or whatever, and I'll be playing, and and I think that little moments like that mean everything for for these folks, and I I know that I've you know I'll bring up that I have you know on a on a day that I don't have my guitar, I'll bring up that I play it and. And the migrants will be all excited, wanting me to bring it out or wanting me to, to, you know, whatever the activity may be, just to to stimulate, you know, their minds a little bit. I mean, this is, it's it's really bleak. And being there for for days, for um, just stuck in the desert with nothing to do. Right. And I mean, sometimes, you know, I, I've seen a soccer ball out there that the kids play with and that's, that's so heartwarming, things yeah. like that, that really, you know, we want these people to feel like they can still be in community with each other. Like they're not, I, and I, I feel like things like that really help to repair that sense of desperation. Um, because yeah. right now with the level of desperation, we do see a lot of fighting for supplies, a lot of fighting for resources because it's, it's hard. It's hard out there. People want to make sure that their kids have blankets. People are so cold they can't sleep. And I feel like things that bring them together, activities that really make them feel like a community out there um, and help us feel in community with them allows us to have a more cohesive relationship and allows things to go more smoothly. Um, and I think it's, you know, in some cases more important than the supplies themselves. Because yeah. it, it makes sure that they go to the right places. It helps us triage. It helps us, you know, it, it, it's its own tool for survival. And, and it could distract them from their suffering, you know, if they yeah. can have an ounce of joy, you know, in this horrible condition, in these horrible conditions, it, it'll distract them enough to smile and to laugh and to not be miserable. Yeah, have a normal moment. Yeah. So I wonder if people want to help. What are the ways that they can help? Um, ways they can help are if are coming out here directly, hands on the ground, money, <laughs> donating yeah. money uh, is another huge need um, because a lot of the supplies that we need cost money. <laughs> we need a new kitchen. We need, you know, a dishwashing station because we're currently just dumping all of our dishwashing water into a lawn that has a small drain. Um, <laughs> Yeah, um, and yeah, uh, Lotto is one organization that takes money um, that you can donate to. Border Kindness is another one. Yeah, I know detention resistance is out here a lot. Um, the most direct way to is would be donating directly to Sam Schultz himself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so 
Yeah, and just, you know, following uh, yeah. the, those same organizations. They're a free shit collective is another one. They mm-hmm. mostly focus on W8, um, but this is all related, right? Like, yeah, I, so we had this man from Turkey who came with his dog, Bam Bam, yeah. or Bam Bam. Like he said Flintstones, but they say Bam Bam, I guess. <laughs> um, and his he was stuck in, in one of the camps. And so, you know, we, re, like took his dog because he was not going to be taken from the camp. He spent the night alone because they had enough room for him. There's like, they don't know how to process a fucking dog, I guess. So we took his dog for him. And so he could get processed. And once he ended up out of detention at central, um, which is where they released them, we reunited his dog with him. uh, Very emotional on both sides of the separation and the reuniting. Um, so, you know, there's all these organizations you can, you know, volunteer down in Central at the, when they release, you can, you know, there's, and so, yeah, um, but following all these accounts, sharing the stories, you know what I mean? On your social medias, be it uh, Twitter, I'll never call it the other thing, um, or, you know, Instagram, Facebook, whatever your media is, Discord, yada, yada. Um, yeah, I think even sharing the stories is really powerful. People could translate, they can reach out if they want to do that. Um, I looked up the URL. It's for Border Kindness. It's linktr.ee slash Border Kindness. And for Al Otro Lado, it's Al Otro Lado, A-L-O-T-R-O-L-A-D-O dot org slash donate. Um, and they people. pay me to be out here, so yeah, please uh, donate yeah. to them. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah help them and Border Kindness, all. Jackie and James are great. They're yes. always out here. It's yeah, yeah. Either one is, is wonderful. Yeah. I also wanted to highlight the uh, the lovely mutual aid groups that do a lot of work. Um, there's not as many of them directly putting their efforts out here, but I know that they have helped me work out here and make sure that I have the funds I need to, um, you know, do little store runs that are necessary on a, on a moment's notice at yeah. times because we, we run out of something and we can't wait for a bulk order supply. Um, and the, you know, there, there are these mutual aid groups, you know, they, they put in the work to reimburse folks, um, when we do things like that, when we have to go make runs because we can't bulk order, we can't, do it the most efficient way because we have a need right now. Um, and that has saved us in a lot of different moments, especially I used to volunteer down at W8 in San Ysidro. Um, and that was the primary way that we got resources um, was through these mutual aid groups who who fundraise. Um, and and I, yeah, I just wanted to highlight them and, and highlight the... Um, so there's uh, the Rosekeep Collective... I know that they do a lot of fundraising. Um, I know that you were saying Free Shit, Free Shit Collective. Yeah. Um, uh, there's a few, Free Store, uh, Free Store SD, yeah. There's a, there's a few different ones who, uh, you know, their funds help keep us running, especially in the hardest of times right now. Yeah, because we're all broke. <laughs> we're so broke yeah, we, yeah. we have no money yeah, please none of give us, us have money, any money. Uh, I'm on the migrant diet because I'm broke all the yeah, time so I'm just yeah. eating the food that we feed them when there's leftovers yeah yeah we've eaten a lot of PB&J and beans uh, <laughs> yeah, help us help us feed ourselves um, that, that was wonderful thank you so much um, yeah everyone listening should donate no, thank you yeah uh, and come down here if someone came from San Francisco in May come back uh, like there are places you can stay out in the desert if you want to come and help but even if you have language skills like we there are so many ways you can help come down um i've always had a place to stay uh even though i like like of all I've, I've always been ready to sleep in my van but always had a spot to say come down it's you know it's worth it um it's <laughs> there's yeah. a vortex in you in. they they call it, the locals call it call it a vortex you know you you come here and it's like every past lifetime has has been here and you're you're destined to be here. There's something special about this town and I've really fallen in love with it since coming. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I hope more people will come. It would mean a lot to me if, if like we could do something cool and like further support something that's very important to me and I think very important for the world. Totally. All right, sick. Yeah. It Could Happen Here is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. 
Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.